and welcome to the ITGP podcast. Um, I'm here today joined with Nikki and Camden and our new author who is Bridget Kenyon. Hi Bridget. Hello. So Bridget has kindly come in today to talk to us about her new pending book with us um, due for release later this year, uh, typically around uh, ISMS controls based on ISO 27001. But before we get on to what the new book includes, it would be really nice to have a bit of a, a background to Bridget and how she's come to write for us. So Bridget, tell us a little about, a bit about how you got into writing and um, who you've written for before. Right, so I sort of fell into writing um, when I was working originally for uh, Talus eSecurity. Uh, they were working on a, a dummies guide on payment card security and how you might go about um, implementing encryption. And I was drafted to be a co-author wow. uh, along with the main author. And that was, that was really exciting. I'd, I'd not worked with an editor before, yeah. and it was really interesting to find out how things things could get significantly better. You'd have an idea, you'd bounce it off the editor, yeah. and it would be like it was amplified and made more understandable okay. in the process. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was really fascinating. Um, and then when I was working for um, the uh, committee IST thirty three to give it its proper name, yeah, um, one of the ISO committees for uh, international standards editing. I was working with uh, BSI, yeah. British Standards Institute, and the committee chair actually approached me to um, help him mm-hmm. update a book that had been previously published, okay. which is the implementation and um, auditing of controls based on 27001, wow. to uh, give it its, its new and catchy title. Yeah. <laughs> and so I became um, co-author of that book. and. Unfortunately, BSI has actually moved out of um, publishing printed um, books. Yeah. And at that point, they handed me back the copyright, and my co-author yep. also handed me his part of the copyright. So I now own, own this um, book, and I'm revising it to match the new version of 27001. Yeah. And also to take into account the changes in the industry, and just to you know, you you look at text and you think. It needs a it needs a refresh. It needs rejuvenation. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we that's how we we came across you actually, isn't it? Because I yeah. think um, as BSI sort of ceased trading in their publishing arm, that, mm. that's where our one of our directors, Steve Watkins, introduced us to you, wasn't it? Indeed. Um, so that was that was a, a few months ago now, and it's nice that we're at the point where actually you're working on your manuscript, and and it's due to be delivered. I think you're sort of saying within the next few days, which is yeah. really exciting. So so you've written for BSI. Mm-hmm. Um, so what made you come to IT Governance Publishing with, with the new book? Um, it was mainly because um, you're quite prominent in the marketplace and I can see what you're aiming to achieve, which is bridging the gap between what people need and what they think they need, mm. if you know what I mean. Helping people understand what they actually need and turning that into reality. Yep. Uh, where the, the books are there to support that process and then the consulting is there to facilitate it. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. It, it made perfect sense because it, I could see that the the book coming out from your good selves mm. would have somewhere to be published from, yes, but also a context within which it could be usefully employed mm-hmm. and used. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, a lot of our customers come to us in the publishing team. They're actually on the sort of first step and their journey with IT governance mm. and it is either a book or a toolkit which kind of gets them started yeah. uh, with the view to then going on to a training course or, or consultancy so Indeed. you're exactly right when you say it's kind of the first port of call 
Mm-hmm. And that, that is our kind of specialism in the market. So so yeah. thank you for that. We're really excited about, about the new book. So do you want to tell us exactly what, it, what it's about then? Just um, give us a snippet of, of what we might expect. Basically, it's the book that you need when you've decided that you want to be compliant with or certified to 27001. You know, you, you look at the standard and it says, OK, do your risk assessment, identify some controls, and then trot off to the annex and work out how what you've decided to do matches up with this big bumper list of controls. Just as a quick aside, that big bumper list of controls is not, I repeat, not intended as a checklist. It is not intended as you must do all this and then you will be safe. If you do all this and you're a small organisation, you're more likely to end up bankrupt than safe, and that's the wrong sort of safe. The idea is you decide what you need, you go to Annex A and do a quick check to make sure there's nothing obvious you missed. You're not necessarily going to want to do everything in Annex A. But okay, so say you've picked a control that you like in Annex A, or that is going to serve a purpose for your organisation, be appropriate, or perhaps someone else has already forced you to do it, contractual conditions and and all that. And it might say something like, um, all information security responsibilities shall be defined and allocated, which is lovely, but what the heck does it mean? (laughs) There's a little bit of implementation guidance in um, 27,002 for every single bit of Annex A, and that's quite handy. But it was written very carefully to apply to many organisations, but in a very structured fashion and by a very large number of people. So what you have there is some fairly concise and precise text, but it's not very understandable to the the layperson, if you like. Mm -hmm. So this gives an opportunity for someone such as myself to fill in that gap yeah what the heck do you actually mean Mm -hmm. can you explain it in ordinary english yeah and can you help me understand not only what i should do but what is good enough if i've chosen to implement this control why am i doing it what's what sort of things is it going to help me with yeah and how it how do i do it and then just to make things even more exciting for the the reader yeah um, it also provides auditing guidance okay So from the point of view of somebody who's going to be implementing a control, you can say, well, how is someone else going to test me on this? Mm -hmm. And that's really helpful to work out how you can show that you are doing the control. Yeah. You know, for example, with the um, assign, uh, define and allocate information security responsibilities. um, It says some of the text that I've created, um, things like this is not a trivial task and should encompass every employee. It's fundamental that management and staff should be told what is expected of them, especially when information security is not generally likely to be their first interest. In general, all staff should have a basic responsibility noted, and they should understand their responsibilities to be an integral part of their job function. So that's sort of a bit about why you're doing it and how you might explain it to people. But then on the auditing side, say things like the information security policy is normally used to define high-level responsibilities, but explicit detail would normally be in job descriptions or of some other format based on the individual. So the person who's implementing this control can say, well, an auditor is actually going to go and look at job descriptions. Maybe I should put something in there. Or maybe I have something instead of a job description and I should put the, the, the responsibility in that. Equally, obviously, another useful audience for this is the auditor. Yeah. Or someone who's doing an internal audit. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's been through all the formal courses. Somebody's maybe in quality and they've suddenly got dumped with the responsibility of auditing against 27,001. They're in the compliance department after all. They should be able to cover all standards. Mm. 
this is going to just get them to a point where they've almost got a checklist. Yeah. Okay, right, I'm going to go through this. Okay, we're looking for a job description. Ah, we need to make sure that it's available to the relevant employees and that the employee knows what's in it. Ah, has it been signed by both the employee and the manager? That's another thing I can check mm -hmm. because it shows that they've understood it or at least they've said they've understood it Yeah. and at least they accept it. So that's just taking a, a particular example yeah. for you to understand what, what you might do with this, this uh, book and how it might be useful to you. That's really handy because I think a lot of what we publish at IT Governance Publishing, you know, we're not claiming to, to publish any, any of the official standards or anything like that. What we're claiming that we do is that we publish supporting guidance around these topics yeah. for, for business managers and people working in business yeah. who are not necessarily qualified in these areas, but they just need to understand and take steps towards certification around these standards. So, Precisely. Yeah. The other thing that um, hopefully will make this uh, document book even more handy is that my background is in standards editing and I have... Um, I was present at the meetings and participated actively in the meetings where the text for um, the detail of the stand of the, um, the controls, so 27,002 or 27,001 Annex A, because they are basically the same thing, um, where that was decided, where it was argued, where, it, where we sat and went through 450 individual comments from all the national bodies during what was supposed to be an editorial comments only meeting and turned into a let's pick the top 50 technical comments and went on till well after 6 p.m. And so I know I know why the wording is the way it is and I won't know what it was intended to achieve yeah. in each of these items. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's really exciting. I think um, we can't wait to have the book published. I think, um, Nikki, I know you're here, you're, you'll be currently working on a... An exciting book cover for Bridget, yeah, um, definitely, yeah. which is yeah. which is exciting, and yeah, we will obviously have the book available for pre-order as soon as the manuscript is delivered. Um, so, people listening, you know, if you want to be kept up to date with uh, Bridget's book, then the website is www.itgovernancepublishing.co.uk. Uh, the book will be available for pre-launch within the next month or so. Um, but yeah, Bridget, have you got any other questions for today, or are you, you you're happy with? The service you're receiving at IT Governance Publishing? Delighted so far. Looking forward to a continuation of our working relationship, as they say. Perfect. Camden, have you got any questions? I have a couple of questions, Bridget. Um, first of all, as you were mentioning earlier, organisations who are implementing the standard should not view Annex A as a checklist. Um, mm. Do you think that by over-implementing controls, that can actually have a detrimental impact on their compliance at the end and whether or not they reach certification because they've decided that they're going to implement all these slightly unnecessary controls and they can't demonstrate their compliance or, or not? There's actually two um, pitfalls mm -hmm. and, and I think you've, you've sort of mentioned both of them. One pitfall is that you overdo your security to the point where you can't operate. Um, one environment I've, I was in uh, or became aware of um, Someone to get to their desk had to type in eight separate codes to get through all the doors. Well, <laughs> those codes changed every fortnight. Oh my this is what I would describe as too many controls. And it encourages people to bypass them by, for example, um, writing them down on their hand. Because yeah. people won't usually notice if it's written down on your hand. But then you put your hand down on a piece of paper and you get a lovely imprint of the code. Other things. I've, in fact, when it comes to risk assessment, obviously there's no official best method but I 
in the organisations I've worked with lately, I've been encouraging people. You know how you have the idea of um, red, amber, green risks? Yeah. A risk is red. You've got to do something now. A risk is amber. It's not great. You should have a plan. Get probably deal with it. Risk is green. Cool. Everybody's happy. I've added or recommended blue. You've overdone it. There's too much control. And not only are you encouraging people to bypass those controls because they're getting in the way of the business, mm. you're also wasting money. Maybe mm. you've got like five different pieces of technical equipment all covering different aspects of a risk and you only really needed one. Mm. You're wasting resources on people to maintain that system or those systems and also licensing costs. And potentially one of those systems could get hacked, which provides you with another op opportunity for risks that you haven't really taken into account. Um, the other problem with um, having too many controls is that you end up with a false sense of security. You actually miss, you underestimate the risk that you're, you're experiencing. So, so on the back of that, what mm. would your advice be to organisations who are just starting out their implementation journey um, when it comes to selecting the controls that are appropriate um, for their own organisation? Keep it simple. If, for example, the idea of uh, making a list of your information assets, this is a, a classic example of where you can go into too much detail, have every single email listed. That's obviously a bad idea. You might decide you just want to list emails as a class of information. But in fact, emails are not a class of information. Emails are a method by which you transmit information. Go back to the business purpose of the information and divide up your information into big lumps Okay, you might have staff data. That's a good example of, a, of, of information. So just keep everything as a higher level as you possibly can. Then your risks will be at a fairly high level and you can manage them because you could have equally just as bad as having a, an infinite list of information assets or of assets because the phrase information asset is no longer used in the standard. <laughs> um, more of that later. <laughs> but also having a list of risks, which is the length of your arm, no one will ever have time to review them. No they will never be seen by top management. Top management maybe wants one risk, mm -hmm. risk to information. Maybe you split that down into five or six at the next level of the organisation, but you do not want 50, 60, 100 risks. That's probably the most useful thing for a small organisation. Keep it simple, you can still be compliant. I've seen an organisation with three staff certified to 27,001 and they didn't go bust. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful, thank you. Um, just one more question on the auditing side of things. I think it's really helpful that it that it we see the audit the auditor's insight into how these controls are actually measured. Um, I wanted to know. So, do the auditing methods um, for a specific control do they actually vary um, depending on like the organisation, the, the sector, or the nature of the business? Would, would one organisation implementing a control correctly look quite differently to another organisation or is it kind of the same across the board? It does vary. Mm -hmm. um, it, one way in which it varies is by number of staff. Um, for example, if you have an organisation with very few staff and they all know each other, you can verify identity by looking at someone or by having a conversation on the phone. So someone phones up and says, oop, I forgot my password. You recognise their voice. That's enough. Mm -hmm. You don't need them to have some kind of secondary verification. Yeah. But a large organisation, they would want some kind of method which doesn't rely on people recognising each other unless you've got somebody who's a super recogniser, at which point you have a single point of failure. <laughs> so you've actually moved it to a business continuity problem from being a security problem. 
Um, other ways in which the context will change what you need to do. It's it's very much a moving picture. There isn't, just as there isn't one way to run an organisation, there isn't just one way to secure it. It's I've worked in a load of different um, sectors. I've worked in the finance sector. I've um, worked in charity sector. I've worked in education sector. Um, and I've worked with local authorities. I've worked with um, payment processing companies. Mm -hmm. They all have a lot of things in common, which is the way people think. Yeah. But the way they choose to actually create controls or to implement them will vary depending on what they already have to hand. Because you're better off reusing what you already have around you and what's working than you are to try and find this magic template and copy it, just as you don't copy the whole of Annex A mm. and so, say we're doing all of that. So really, uh, would you agree that what you're saying is a lot of ISO 27000 on implementation and compliance, it, it just boils down to common sense? Yeah, when you read, if you haven't read 27001, the one thing you'll notice the main part of the text has zero technical content mm -hmm. and looks very much like obvious common sense. Mm -hmm. Every single, literally every single word of that standard was very, very carefully considered and chosen. The idea being that you, if you removed any, any sentences from that standard, you removed really important information. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a bit like they, when they say uh, with inter interior design, you just keep taking things away until you can't take anything else yeah. away and have a design. It's That's what they did when they were writing 27,001. They took everything away until what they had was only what was absolutely necessary, yeah. which is why every sentence has the word should in it. So it, it looks simple because it's been pared down, but it's not simple any, any more than a piece of modernist architecture is. People go, oh, it's just a couple of pieces of cement and I could do that and my kid could do that in the sandbox. But in fact... It's room for interpretation. Yeah. It's it's a lot more. There's a lot more work gone into it than is immediately apparent. That's really helpful. Thank you, yeah, Camden. They were brilliant questions. Just to give mm. the listeners a bit of a background, Camden has written written a lot of our blogs at IT Governance on ISO twenty seven thousand one and auditing. And I think you were saying, weren't they, some of the, some of the most read blogs actually? So um, this this has come at a really good time. Nikki, have you got any other questions for Bridget? Um, I was just going to say, linking to sort of the points that Camden has raised and what we discussed about it being interpreted is. For me, the unique point of this book is it's breaking down that barrier of kind of giving organisations the information, but giving the confidence for them to adapt it themselves. Mm. And so removing the fear element of it and kind of thinking that they can use this within their organisation to benefit themselves. And it's not something to be scared of as such, it's something mm. to embrace. So I think that coupled with the auditing section is going to be really helpful for our readers moving forward with implementing um, this standard into their business. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect. All right, ladies, we'll leave it there, but thank you so much. And, and like I say, this book will be available for pre-order on our website, which is www.itgovernancepublishing.co.uk. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.